Have you heard about Salt River Automotive? Not only are we open for business and ready to serve you, we are sponsors of the BS in the Morning show on Westplex 107.1. Check us out on Facebook at Salt River Automotive LLC. See you soon. That's what she said. Few of the hits just thrown in. You like that? I do. That's Karen. You know, we have a Karen that works for us. And she's not at all like Karen and Karen. <laughs> I was going to say, do we admit that we have a Karen that works for us? Absolutely. She's a doll. <laughs> That's the crazy thing nowadays. You, got, you, you have to watch what you say. You what? You have a Karen that works for you? One of those ladies that yells at you at, in the parking lot because you didn't put your shopping cart back in the corral? Or you were listening to Kids Pop? I can't get to it that quick. Hold on, let me see. Let me see. I can't see. My my eyes are gone. Hold on. Let me see. Let me see what this is. Hold on. No, that didn't work. <laughs> no. Let me try this. Okay, one more time. They can't hear me because they're listening to Kids Bop. There she is. And then at her other there quote, she is. the other quote is, Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> there she is. Karen. Okay. <laughs> it's BS in the morning. Okay. Something happened last night that hasn't happened in a while, and for a while, I didn't know what to think. Could you be more specific? Well, it's an event. It's a natural, uh, of, uh, an atmospheric event that happened that I'm going, okay, what is this stuff? Was it a meteor shower? No, it was rain. <laughs> it hasn't rained for like <laughs> 10 days. It rained here for like two minutes. Oh, really? Poof, and it was done. Seriously? Yeah. Wow, it was a huge front coming in. As a matter of fact, it's it's not. I mean, let me take a look at it. Um, we haven't had. When you think about it, this has been an interesting weather year. You know, we say that every year, but normally September has a fair amount of rain, and you know, in the summer, it like rained every other day. But now in the when in the fall, when we're you know putting down new grass seed and you know cleaning up uh, things and planting plants and getting ready for the you know the winter because we just entered fall. Uh, normally there's rain which gets everything uh, started on the right track and rejuvenate your lawn. You know typically you know how it is normally in your in July and August your lawn looks like hell because uh, you know the the heat just kills it. And then in September it started to all come back. It's sort of like you know spring too. You know what I mean? Well, not this year. Everybody's lawn looks pretty bad right now, unless you have a sprinkler system. Let me see where that front is. Um, That's because it didn't hardly rain at all this year. No, 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 but no. I no, will no. Say it rained a lot this year, but it hasn't rained hardly. It? In so, oh yeah, yeah, we had a lot of rain. I don't remember that. Yeah, where you been? No, because yeah. My, <laughs> if you're heading, if you you're heading, you don't want to know. So, if you're heading east, my lawn has never really looked gnarly this year. What do you mean? Looks good or looks bad? It looks good. Well, no, what I'm saying is... With a perfectly manicured lawn by Zollner's... Okay, um, here's what I'm saying. It's backwards. Because normally, in July and August, it's so incredibly hot and dry that everybody's lawn looks like H-E-double hockey sticks, okay? And usually, it starts to come back in spring, or, you know, in in, in the fall, in late summer, you know, uh, you know, September, into fall, late September, October. This year, it's the opposite because we had a lot of rain in the summer and didn't have like the in- incredible. I mean, it got hot, but we never had like, you know, days on end of like 100 degrees and stuff like that, like some places around the country. So I'm saying what's happened is as far as the lawns are concerned and people's gardens and things like that, it's backwards where normally we have not that much rain and heat in the summer, July and August. And then in September, it cools down and we get more rain and things come back to life. It's the opposite this year. 
because it's been a very dry September. And if you only got a little bit of rain, I'm trying to look. I'm just look at the ra- radar here. Um, it a uh, huge front right now. This front goes from it went through just swept right across St. Louis area last night, early this morning. It goes from Chicago all the way down to uh, almost all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. Matter of fact, almost down to uh, Beaumont, Texas, and Houston. And the front is now to the east of us. If you're driving east on 70, heading like to Indy or stuff like that. It's going to get you probably, you're going to be in rain probably two-thirds of the way there. You'll get through, like, um, you know, uh, well well east of, of the St. Louis metro, probably about 80, 90 miles. And then from that point all the way into Indiana, it's just going to rain on you. So be prepared rain for that. on yeah, me. I think we just played that song, didn't we? We did. <laughs> A couple songs before. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'll, you know... <laughs> This is this is the craziest. First off, this is the craziest election year, you know. And you think? Well, here I I said this last week, and now you're seeing this all over the news, where they're saying all these experts are saying all Joe tomorrow night's the big debate, first debate, first to three. All Joe has to do is come out, stay awake for ninety minutes, and answer his name, rank, and serial number, and he'll win the debate. Because the Trump people have made it to the book. Oh, Joe, he, he can barely put the, over the weekend. He said he's been in the Senate for 180 years. Have you heard that comment? I haven't. <laughs> 180 years he's been in the Senate. Okay, so, so and, and now the stuff comes out that Trump <laughs> hasn't paid income taxes. He paid, what, $750, stuff like that. But see, once again, what people don't understand, what understand about that is if you've ever run a business, and I'm not an accountant and don't ever claim to be one, but like, okay, perfect example. Let's say you start a business and your first two years you lose a million dollars, okay? And, you know, $500,000 a year you lost. In other words, you, you, know, you, you know, you're in negative numbers, okay? And, and when you got deep pockets or you got a bank that lent you the money, whatever, but you stay afloat and you lose two, you know, a million dollars over two years. Well, the third year, if you would like hit it out of the park, and like end up owing the IRS like a million dollars in taxes, you have what they call the, the the net loss carry forwards or something like that, which essentially negates the taxes. So in other words, you had a million dollars in losses, and then you you know maybe made ten million and you got te- a million dollar tax bill, it zeroes out, and that's the way it's been in you know in corporate life forever and ever ever. Now here's the thing. He claims he still paid lots of taxes, and I can't imagine somebody in, in his position, you know, to the point where not paying any taxes. And I think the thing that always bothers me about that is when people say, well, he didn't pay any taxes. Okay, you take companies, and you look at, like, even small companies, what they pay if they own a building, they pay real estate taxes. If they own vehicles, you know, like somebody like, like Caleb Hunter in Extreme Electrical, okay? He's got, what, I don't know, 30-plus vehicles? He's, he's got he's got personal property tax that he pays on each one of those vehicles every year. He's got licenses that you know license plates that he pays for. Uh, he pays uh, taxes on the gasoline that he puts into his vehicles. I mean, you yeah. know, people don't realize. Uh, you know, in like in our situation with broadcasters, people go, "Well, what, you guys, we've got licensing fees we have to pay to the FCC." You know, which bothers me because of the fact that the religious broadcasters and the not-for-profits uh, don't pay a penny. 
the commercial broadcasters pay all the, the licensing fees. But if you're a not-for-profit like, you know, uh, uh, KWMU, the St. Louis Public Radio, which we'll talk about later, um, then you don't, pay any, you don't pay any licensing fees or anything like that. And, and once again, the thing that always has bothered me is the not-for-profits. We know, you know, you know my one little location, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? I do. Let's talk about dogs, okay? Across the street is this great big monstrous building that probably cost them, I don't know, two, three million dollars to build on a they very too easy. on a on a very you know nice piece of property that's you know was probably cost them. I don't know, a million dollars for the piece of property? It's probably donated to him by some crazy cat lady. <laughs> You're probably right. And you go on the, 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 the St. Louis County uh, you know, tax site, and you look at what they pay, and you know how much they paid in real estate taxes? How much? Nothing. Zero. Because they're not for profit. And I'm going like, no, hold on a minute now. If they dial 911, don't the police show up? And if there's a fire, don't the, doesn't the fire department show up? And if there's somebody who has a you know, health issue, doesn't the ambulance show up? And doesn't the county and the city you know, move the snow in front of their place? And, you know, and all those things that taxpayers pay for, not-for-profits don't. And that's one of the things, man, I'm going to get myself in trouble for this. That's one of the things that I think that is a big mistake with the tax code, that all the churches and everything don't pay taxes. Now, I know if Chris Heifel's listening, he's probably going, oh, my God, he can't believe he's talking about this. And you know why that is? You know why, you know why in the United States there's no taxes for churches? Why? It's a carryover from our founding fathers. Almost all of our father, founding fathers came from England. And keep in mind, one of the things that ended up in our Constitution was religious freedom. The reason for that is in England, there was a state-sponsored religion, the Church of England. And since the Church of England essentially was like a branch of the government, the government didn't tax the churches. Same situation is like, you know, the city of, of uh, you know, uh, Creve Corps or, or Wentzville doesn't pay property taxes to St. Louis County, St. Charles County for the property that they own for their city hall and things like that, because essentially it's one governmental agency paying another governmental agency and it just goes round and round. You know, St. Louis Community College, you know, uh, doesn't pay taxes on their their uh, buildings. And, uh, you know, once upon a time I worked for the St. Louis Community College, uh, taught there and also worked in their in- uh, their radio station. And there were times I had to buy stuff on my own credit card, you know, just like smaller things than when I was working on the radio station. And I was always told, don't pay sales tax. And sometimes I wasn't able to buy things because people say, and I'm sorry, we have to charge you the sales tax. But they don't pay sales tax. Okay, so it's a carryover from, the, from England that the founding fathers said the churches will not pay taxes. Well, in the United States, the churches are not part of the government. So I say the churches should pay taxes. Okay. You're not going to touch what, that one. What are you? can you do to make that happen? <laughs> it's never going to happen. Trust me, it'll never happen. I mean, I I have a better chance of right now. Uh, let me think. The chances of that actually happening are, are are not as good as me a being signed to pitch for the Cardinals, me b uh, having a date with uh, every Playboy uh, uh, you know centerfold of the last three years, c. Uh, coming out of work this morning, Dude, you could have sired them <laughs> and find finding a new Ferrari, you know, in the parking lot with the sign on it that says "It's yours, have fun." D, 
um, you know, uh, going to Lambert and uh, deciding that, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the CEO of uh, well, Herb's gone, but the CEO of, of, of uh, uh, Southwest Airlines calls me up and says, hey, Brad, we're going to give you a once in a lifetime deal. We're going to give you a lifetime pass. You can fly anywhere you want on Southwest Airlines for absolutely free. No questions asked. If you want to fly, you know, five, ten flights a day, good luck. Have fun. We're glad to have you as a lifelong. So that's what happened before the churches get taxed. So simple as that. Um, okay, it's also, 636. Well, not yet. Not yet. Hold no, on it's just not cert- Well, it is 636. <laughs> no, he says we're no, not ready to is. go yet. No, but, but here's the other thing. I'm going to talk what? about this next hour, okay? Okay. The stuff, I, I get so mad about this. I get so mad. If you read the Post-Dispatch, now there's trouble brewing at KWMU, St. Louis Public Radio. And what's wrong? It's it's once again, it's like going on all over the country at all these public radio stations. And once again, I'm not saying there's not issues there. But what's happening is the news departments of all these radio stations have gone bat. You know what? Crazy where they're claiming. Matter of fact, they're claiming that KWMU is a white supremacist radio station. These are the people that work there. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> and you don't believe they say that. <laughs> it's pretty bizarre, you know, but the crazy thing about it is, well, we'll talk more about it next hour. The government gave them some money to quote, quote unquote fix some problems. And I'm thinking to myself, "Hey, I got some problems with our radio station. Would the government give me any money? HE double talk hockey sticks? No." exclamation point out, you know, to the 10th degree. No way. No way, Jose. Matter of fact, the government wants licensing fees for me, and they want this, and they want that. And and once again, the problem I have is, once upon a time, PBS, you know, the TV stations served a purpose. Yeah. And yeah. the nonprofit, you know, the, the KWMUs, the NPR stations of the world served a purpose. The purpose is gone, because almost Everybody has access to the internet, and you can, you know, get all sorts of different things. You don't have to get it spoon-fed to you by NPR and PBS and things like that. And, you know, we'll talk but about it next time. people like to be spoon-fed. Yeah. Don't go there. It's true. <laughs> they do. Don't go there. I know. And, and we're making it worse. We're making it worse. Every day we make it worse. We make it worse. You know, because here we go with the with the election thing. What you know? Once again, look at the difference essentially between the Democrats and the Republicans. The Republicans are saying, "Hey, be self reliant. You know, you know, stand on your own two feet. Start a business. Go into business for yourself." The de- Democrats are saying, "Hey, you know, don't you don't have to work? We'll send you money." Remember what was the one guy? What Andrew Wang was going to send everybody a thousand dollars a month? You know, I mean, like, you know. is that your full service presidential candidate? Oh God, yes. You remember that. I remember that dis- because I thought how disgusting I was that. He said that. Uh, you know, once again, it's like it's like crazy weird stuff. And you know, like like for example, like I got four kids. Okay, if I would have said to them when they're growing up, if I said to them, "Hey, kids, you know what? Your mom and dad got the roof over our house right now, and you know, I'm we're paying for the electric at least." Almost every month we're paying for the electric. Sometimes the guy comes and pulls the meter out, but that's another story. Uh, anyway, we're paying for the meter or paying for the electric. We're paying for the, the, you know, the water. And you know what? Till the day you die, 
you won't have to worry about this. Somebody's always going to pay for your electric, and somebody's always going to pay for that roof or your house. Okay, so my kids would have grown up thinking, oh, my God, life's great. I don't have to worry about getting a job. I don't have to worry about, you know, somebody's always going to put a roof over my, my head and, you know, pay for the bills. What do I have to worry, right? That's, what, that's what's happening right now with the government. You know, everything is like, oh, we'll take care of that. I heard an ad this morning. You know, governmental sponsor it. If you didn't get your five hundred dollar, whatever it was, you need to collect that now. I'm going like, okay, I didn't get any money from the was government. It an attorney? No, it was. I had sponsored by the government. It was some program that if you were, I don't know, certain. I don't even know. Don't even go there. It's just to the point You're where it's the like. You're the one that started it. No, Why I mean, are you I mean, me not to go there. No, it's not an attorney. It's the government sending you money. You know. Okay. One of these days, Shelley, I'm going to wake up. And I'm going to roll out of the floor, and I'm going to say, you know what? I'm done. I'm just going to no, I'm just going to go out to Las Vegas. I'm gonna, oh, look. I'm gonna it's 640. Get, get there in the strip, and I'm going to, you know. It's 6. I'm going to get paid to hand out those little cards for all the strip shows. You know what I mean? And, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. It, look, it's 640. I always like the way that song ends. It's just gone. <laughs> 650, good morning. It's a lovely song. Do you like it? I do. You mean you're not going to put that in the whiny classification like you do so many of the songs we play? The guy is whiny, but... <laughs> I knew it. You well, know, I mean, you know, I'm, I call it likes I sees it. I'm driving last night. I'm listening to WIL, and the Gabby Barrett kind of song comes on, and and I'm going like, where's Charlie Puth? You know, and then I forget, oh, this is the country version. Because, you know, there's two versions of that song. There's a song that she just sings herself, which is the huge country hit, and then there's the pop hit, which is her and Charlie Puth. And depending upon, and by the way, by the way, um, have you, I, you know, this was sort of weird that, I don't know how this happened, but um, I ended up finding one of the Taylor Swift songs um, that's like, I don't know, maybe eight, nine, ten years old, Mean, you remember that song? Or if you read the, read the lyrics, you know, there's always something like Taylor Swift, all her songs are about an ex-boyfriend or or the Scooter Braun, you know, who I think that was who it was about, you know, where he was always trying to make fun of her and she's going, you're just mean, stuff like that. And I played it and first I'm going like, now hold on a minute now, who is that? And you know why I didn't recognize her? Why? Twang. Surgery? Twang. You go back and listen to some of her old country songs, there's that twang, just sort of like the thing with Marin Morris. You know, she, you listen to the country songs and she's got the twang going on. You listen to the pop songs, the twang's gone. I'm going like, okay, how do they do that? You know, I mean, there are some people that just, it'd just be like if you found somebody down like in Alabama, you know, and matter of fact, this past year when I went down to see my son over Christmas, uh, I stopped at a Burger King in Mississippi, okay, jumped in my car, drove, and I drove, and, you know, like left at like 5 o'clock in the morning, hit Mississippi like maybe at noon, and I hit some town, I don't even know what it was, and I get off the highway, get gas, go over to the Burger King, order something, and the gal takes my order and sounds just like that. And I'm thinking to myself, where am I? You know, and then I had to like pinch myself, going like, I'm in Mississippi. You know, that's the way everybody talks here. You know and what I mean? Did you get sweet tea or southern sweet no, tea? No, but what I'm saying is, it's to the point where, where even like in the St. Louis area, you go down to Cape Girardeau, you go down to like, you know, like Sykeston, you know, and there's like, and even like within St. Louis, you know, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna go to the store and you're gonna go to Schnucks, you're gonna buy some Carn. 
You're not going to buy corn. You're going to buy corn. Would you do that far? Yeah, far. And you're going to ride the horse, not the horse. You're going to ride the horse. And like and one, he's a quarter. A quarter. Well, that's one of the things that we all, you know, that we kid about. That you know, even I, you know, sometimes I'll say, you know, quarter. And it's quarter. It's you got to get the R in there. Anyway, I don't even know why I got talking about that. Uh, but it's just one of those things where, where uh, you know, you go to certain parts of the country, and for a long time, and this was like sort of broadcast history kind of stuff. Most of your radio people came out of the Midwest, and even like if you look at the early people in television, Johnny Carson, people like that, they all came out of the Midwest because they they had a a deficiency of regionalisms, if that makes any sense. In other words, they didn't sound like they were from like like you listen to the guys and you know the guys in Brooklyn talk like that. You know, yeah, I went down to my car and some guy was trying to steal my hubcaps and I just beat the crap out of him. You know what I mean? They all sound like you know like like Joe Tough guy. You know, um, and that's why a lot of the radio guys and TV guys came out of the Midwest and still started that way. Because when you think about it, all the different stars and things like that you see on TV, none of them come out of the South, you know, or very few of them, you know, most of them. And or either that they've they've taken vocal courses and they've gotten rid of the accent, you know, it's just well, like if you if you are born with that accent, which most people in the South are, and then you come to a. A place that doesn't have an accent, you lose your accent. No, not. And the well, only time it really no, comes back is if it's no, on purpose, I mean, it, like you know, singing a song, no, or no, 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 if no. you're angry. I'll disagree with you because my old boss, Ted Smith, was born in England, and you know, and he left England after World War II and was in the United States. I don't know, fifty years, you know, forty at least forty years when when I when I worked for him. Um, and he still had that blood. He still had that English accent. It wasn't like, you know, like sometimes you can't understand. If you're, like, for example, do you remember the movie um, The Full Monty? You ever see that movie? I did. Okay. There are parts of that movie I could not understand what they were saying, you know, and they were speaking English, but it was like one of the little, you know, one of the little variants because they were all from what? What was it, Dumb? They were all from, because the whole deal was, the movie was about the fact that the steel mills, Sheffield, they were from Sheffield, England, because there used to be the war, the best, the, the most prized steel in the world was Sheffield steel. Did you know this? I did not. Yes. If you had like something, if it was made from, like if you go back and if you talk to like an antique dealer or something like that, they'll tell you this, that if something is like very, very well made. Uh, and it was like very expensive. It was made with Sheffield steel because it came from Sheffield, England, and they had, you know, they were renowned for making the finest, purest, best steel in the world. Well, all of a sudden, you know, the Japanese came along and the Chinese came along, and everybody started making steel. And uh, it wasn't the best steel, but yet it was steel, and they went out of business. As a lot of the manufacturing in, in England did. You know, England used to produce tons of different cars, all sorts of different cars, even like the Rolls Royce and stuff like that. There are very few cars that are produced in England anymore. Most of them are produced, uh, you know, like other places in Europe. Rolls Royce was bought out by, I think BMW owns Rolls Royce now. Um, and things like that. But once upon a time, you know, England had huge manufacturing. Anyway, that was the whole setup to the full Monty is that all these guys worked at the steel mill and they lost their job. So what are they going to do? They're going to dance naked, right? That was the whole story behind, you know, the, the movie that they're going to, you know, I don't know how well that worked for them because the, the problem is the movie ends with them dancing naked. And it's like, okay, so what did they do after that? How did they make money? Did they dance around town naked all the time and make money like that? I don't think that happened. 
you just never know now, do you? <laughs> Could be. You don't never know. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> but do, do you remember listening? I mean, the movie, do you remember like trying, like, like craning your neck and going like, what the heck are they saying? Oh, yeah. There's, there's, there's some, um, uh, so I like horror flicks yeah. and, you know, things like that. Yeah. And there are some that are actually, um, set in England or, you know, over there. Right. And their, their Cockney accent, you can't understand them. I know. I know. I don't know if the Sheffield guys had that much of a, I'll, I'll look at that, see what their accent was. It is a uh, 657. You want to hear something funny? Westplex 107.1. I do not know why, but for some reason, I really like that song. And I still I like too. it. I I still like it. You know, I get burnt out and stuff. It's like, you know, it's like me going to eat. You know, I mean, I can only eat like fast food like once a month. You know what I'm saying? Otherwise, I get burnt out on it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Says the man who eats at Culver's and, not Culver's, but, well, he does eat at Culver's. But, um... <laughs> What is that? Fre- uh, Freddy's. Guess can, number nineteen. Can, 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 Your food is ready. Can I tell Come on you? Up. Can I tell you one of the quandaries that I face in my life, which sometimes I just have to laugh at? Okay. Which burger place you're going to eat at for the day? I ate lunch at McDonald's yesterday, and I won't say which one because people see I'm calling out a particular McDonald's. Okay. I don't like cheeseburgers. I like hamburgers. You know, yes. and it's gotten to the point where almost all the places now, in order to get a hamburger, you have to order it with no cheese. Okay. So there was a time on the value menu at McDonald's where you could get the two hamburger value meal, but that's gone. It's now the two cheeseburger value meal. So yesterday, I'm, you know, for lunch, I'm hungry. It's, you know, and I've been working all morning. And I pull in the McDonald's, and there's 10 cars in front of me. And I'll just wait. Because you couldn't even go inside. This is a St. Louis County McDonald's. You couldn't even go inside and not sit, but at least order. Nope. Doors were locked. You had to go through the drive-thru. So I order my number nine, which is two cheeseburgers, and I order it, you know, two cheeseburger value meal, French fries, and a soda. And I order it, and I order it as, can I have a number nine, but can I just have onions on it, no cheese? And the guy comes back on the speaker and says, uh, sir, I don't think we can do that. <laughs> this isn't hold your pickles, hold your lettuce, special orders don't upset us. All we ask is that you let us... Shelly remembers your that. Way. that, that and, and there's uh, there's a testimony to to advertising and how it works because that's embedded yes, in in her brain. Okay, so so he comes back on. He says, "I'll have to check with my manager." I said, "Okay, fine." So you know, thirty seconds. Okay, I can do that. I said, "Okay." So I just want the number the number nine value meal, no cheese and just onions. Okay, so I go through and pay the guy and I get my order. And I go sit in the parking lot to eat my lunch, and I open up the first sandwich, and sure enough, it's a hamburger with just onions. I open up my second sandwich, and it's a cheeseburger with onions. And I'm going like, okay, what the heck happened here? You know, I get one that's got cheese, one that doesn't. I don't get it. And the crazy thing about that is, is that I've actually discussed this. I actually had one manager at one McDonald's tell me she couldn't do this. And I go, ma'am, think about it for a minute. You make more money on me because I'm still paying for the cheese and you get to keep it and use it for somebody else. So I don't know what it's what a piece of cheese costs you. I don't know, a nickel, you know, five cents, you know, two cents, whatever, but still you're making more profit on me because I'm ordering one thing and you know, it's like me coming in here and saying, Okay, I want a Big Mac, but keep all the other stuff and just give me the two patties of meat. 
people go like, whoa, why would you do that? Well, you know, hey, that's the way I want it. I just want two patties of meat, but keep the buns and the center bun and all the other junk. I just don't want that. I know they go, you know, smart people go like, okay, that's fine, you know, because they're going to make money because they're not going to pay for the other stuff. Okay. 709. Feel better? Yeah. Well, you know, not really, but history lesson. Okay. Okay. Back in the 70s, and believe it or not, I know this when quite we well. two miles to school. That's right. Right. My mother. In the snow with no shoes. My mother was very much involved with the ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment. Okay. And if you remember this, was it Betty Friedan? I don't know her, but I could see that about her. Well, I mean, that's the period. And if you know, the Equal Rights Amendment was women not having the same rights as men. And to a large degree, you know, some people say that's still the case. I say, no, I say women have a better deal right now, but that's a whole other story. Okay, so there was this Equal Rights Amendment, and it looked like it was going to pass, and they had conventions, and my mom was all excited, and then something happened. And you know what happened? Uh, no, ha- I don't. It has a St. Louis connection. The equal Rights Amendment, they had a convention every year, and all the women get together, and yeah, you know, yeah, we're going to have equal rights, we're going to pass this amendment, we're going to amend the Constitution, so women will have the same rights as men. So a lady here in St. Louis all of a sudden appeared in the national scene. Her name, Phyllis Schlafly. And Phyllis... Phyllis who? Phyllis Schlafly. You know? Oh, yeah. I know. I know. I know. Go on. Okay. So she said, no, 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 no. This Equal Rights Amendment is all wrong because women already have a better deal. And one of the things that when she made speeches, this is sort of interesting, she would always start off with a line, I'm, I'm glad to be here, and I want to thank my husband for allowing me to come and talk to you. <laughs> which would always drive the the um, the the equal rights amendment people nuts. I can't believe she said that. She doesn't have to get permission from a husband. Okay, so a woman who will tell identify in a minute um, looked at Phyllis Schlafly and thought, interesting, because what happened was Phyllis Schlafly essentially said that the women already had more rights than men. And she successfully, sort of single-handedly, shot down the Equal Rights Amendment, which has never been ratified. There's a bunch of states that passed it, but it hasn't had the number of states it needs to become a constitutional moment, uh, uh, amendment. So this woman sat, this woman sat back and thought, "Hmm, learning experience." Okay. So along comes a case that ends up at the Supreme Court. The case ends up as Craig versus Boren, B-O-R-E-N. And the case revolved around an interesting law in Oklahoma. And the interesting law in Oklahoma was, and, and let me give you a little bit of background. Back then, and this, was in, this, this came out of Stillwater, Oklahoma, which I believe is the, the home of Oklahoma State, big college town, right? Yes. And the fraternity boys would make packs with the sorority girls to do something for them because the boys couldn't do it, but the girls could. And you have any idea what that was? What t-shirt contest? No. In Oklahoma, the drinking age for women for to buy beer was 18, but the drinking age for uh, men to buy beer was 21. 
So why? if you, well, that's the law. That was the law in Oklahoma. I know why. What, what, what would that? They thought that that women were more, you know, essentially could control themselves and not go crazy and you know and and bathe in beer and you know get drunk all the time. Uh, so therefore, you know, that they matured quicker, and so therefore, m- women were more mature at eighteen than men were at twenty-one. So yeah, but men were out there fighting for our country at eighteen. I'm telling you, this was the law. It was the law in Oklahoma. The law was that if you are a woman in Oklahoma back in the, the early 70s, you could go into a bar and get a beer. But if your date was 20, if your date was 18, 19, or 20, he couldn't get a beer. If you were a woman in Oklahoma at 18, you could go to the local Quickie Mart, go in and buy a six pack, and your, your guy who was not 21 could not. So what happened was all the fraternities adopted sororities who went and got them beer. So the women's sorority sisters would go to wherever they would buy the beer at and bring the beer back to the parties at the frat houses, the the fraternity houses, because the guys couldn't buy beer until they're 21. Okay, so this, this caught the attention of a lady who ran a store in in um, in uh, uh, Oklahoma City and uh, or no in Stillwater Oklahoma and she got upset about this because she thought well that's not fair because of the fact that I'd sell more beer if the boys could buy beer at 18 which they can't so a, a student at the time and his last name was Craig I don't know if I can find his, his first name um, they decided that they were going to sue the state of Oklahoma and they were going to sue under the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause uh, because they essentially said it was a violation. Oh, Curtis Craig, that was his name. Kurt, Curtis Craig was the, 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 the student at the time. He was 18, and Carolyn Whitmer, she owned the, uh, the, 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 like the Quickie Mart where, they, where, where he was refused. In other words, he purposely went to the Quickie Mart, sort of a setup, tried to buy beer. She said, I'm sorry, I can't sell you beer because you're not 21. And a woman came in right behind him, and she was, 19, you know, she was 18, and she bought the beer. So they sued the state of Oklahoma, and that's why the case is called Craig versus Boren, because at the time, Boren was the governor of Oklahoma. And this case went through the various courts and ended up going to the Supreme Court. And the woman really who, the woman who argued this case in the Supreme Court in nineteen seventy six was a small lady, stature, and she won the case of the fact that it was discriminatory in Oklahoma for men to not be able to buy beer until they're 21 and women could buy it at 18 she won the case she and there's recordings of this arguing the case in front of the supreme court and that lady's name was ruth bader ginsburg really yes this and the interesting thing is i had never heard this story before and i saw the movie and I saw the movie, you know, you know, what was it, a, a, a case of sex, whatever, like thing like that, you know, which was a good movie, but once again, it was sort of, uh, it was to me, it was a little bit over the top. It was sort of schmaltzy and, you know, stuff like that. And they had her doing very serious cases. Now, think about this for a minute. Have you ever heard of the fact that Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and at the time she was an attorney for the American Civil Liberties Union, have you ever heard of the fact that Ruth Bader Ginsburg took on a case where, where you know, uh, men had a different drinking age than women? Have you ever heard that? No. Neither had I. 
And, and, and the interesting part of this was, and I go back to my original sort of introduction when I started talking about this, she learned from Phyllis Schlafly because she thought, saw that what Phyllis Schlafly did, that Phyllis Schlafly essentially argued the case backwards. In other words, it wasn't discrimination against the women. The women had an advantage. The women were, were, had privilege that they could go into a bar in Oklahoma City and buy a beer at 18, but a guy couldn't. If he's 18, 19, or 20, no, until his 21st birthday, he couldn't legally buy beer in Oklahoma. So she essentially made the idea being that if you go into a court case and you argue with people's normal prejudices, that you're going to lose. But if you flip things around, like Phyllis Schlafly did, Phyllis Schlafly said, we don't need the 14th Amendment. Women have more privileges right now. To a certain extent, they, they did, but to a larger extent, they didn't. You know, back in the 70s, it's still, you know, I, th- I think women, you couldn't get a credit card unless you were married and you had to have your husband sign. And, you know, I, my mom used to complain about this all the time because my mom was like the original women's liberal. She never burnt her bra or anything like that. But, you know, she, and, and I told you the story that, like, if we went somewhere and things, you know, we got bad services, something like that. You know what the universal reason was? Every time we had a problem somewhere, if we went to the store and, you know, something wasn't right or, you know, she was going to the, the city to do something, some dumb man in charge. That was the that was a universal <laughs> reason that the world was screwed up because there's some dumb man in charge. You know, and I still to this day I sort of laugh about that because I'm thinking to myself, you know, I mean, gosh, you know, back in the day, you know, you had there was never any women politicians, at least hardly any of them. Now you see, you know, you got tons of women governors. You got, you know, lady who's gonna, you know, ultimately be our president. You know, Kamala Harris. Um, did you catch what I did there? <laughs> anyway. Yes, I did. <laughs> anyway. So basically, um, your mom's philosophy was Sidmic. Which is what? Some dumb man in charge. Well, yeah. And, and, and I say it all the time. You hear me say it, and people think I'm being facetious when I say it. I say, whatever a man can do, woman can do better. And Did you say that? I firmly believe in that, that there are so many things that women are better at. And, and what you're seeing now is you're seeing that come to, to you know, the forefront, that you know, women can be. And see, and once again, here's the perfect example. In Oklahoma, somebody came up with a law essentially saying, well, women at 18, they got their head on straight. Dudes, not so much. You know, I mean, that's what they're essentially saying, that guys at, at 18, they're screwed up. They're still like in the, you know, in the 12 year old syndrome. They still, you know, they still, you know, do, do crazy stuff. But women at 18. So the idea being, and this is, this is how I'm going to bring this full circle, and you're going to laugh when I say this. This is where the Black Lives Matter people and all the protesters are making a huge mistake. That what they're essentially saying is they're essentially saying, look at us. We don't, you know, we're being discriminated against. We're being this, we're being that. Things aren't fair. Things aren't fair. Things aren't fair. And what happens is after a while, people go like, I'm so tired of hearing them say this. Uh, you know, and to the point where if they were smart, they would go the other way around. They wouldn't say, you know, they wouldn't say, we can't do this, we can't do that. They would essentially say, you know what? We've got a lot of rights, but we need a couple more. Get what I'm saying? Does that make any sense? I do. You know, and it, yes. And, and 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 once again, when you get people that complain, it's like think about it. You know, use that same strategy that Ruth Bader Ginsburg used back in 1976. That is so cute. You know, back in 1976 to order a case 
you know, to, to, to uh, not order, to, to uh, essentially, uh, you know, uh, have a case in the Supreme Court where she was arguing that men were being discriminated against. Now, think about that, because normally you hear Ruth Bader Ginsburg, oh, she was, she was this great, you know, pioneer for women's rights. She was. But how she got her first big case, she, she essentially argued the case backwards. And to the point where essentially she was saying women have more rights. Now, using that same analogy, if all of a sudden the Black Lives Movement came out and said, you know what? Black people have more rights than white people. All of a sudden people would go like, what? What did they say? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and pretty soon people's ears would open up. And they'd go like, okay, explain that to me again. Oh, yeah, it's true. Black people have more rights than white people. And people go like, oh, no, hold on a minute. No, I don't quite understand. Weren't you like two weeks ago saying that black people are discriminated against and we don't this and we don't, we're shot by the police all the time and blah, blah, blah. No, no, I was, was wrong. Black people have more rights than white people. So what we want to do is we want to help the white people get the same rights that we have. I know it sounds crazy and counterintuitive, but once again, Go back and read it. If you search YouTube, as a matter of fact, you can find a really nice, uh, uh, you know, uh, sort of synopsis of this case. Go to Wikipedia, and the case is Craig, C-R-A-I-G, V dot Boren, B-O-R-E-N. And this was uh, 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 429 U.S. 190, 1976. Landmark decision of the U.S. Supreme Court ruling that statutory administrative sex classifications were subject to intermediate scrutiny under the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause. She, she argued the case backwards, and she won. Now, what I, once again, what I find fascinating about that is the reason nobody brings that up is because nobody wants to mention that she argued for men. Get what I'm saying? Yeah. Because she's like, oh, she's supportive of women, supportive of women. And if somebody comes back and say, well, hold on a minute. In 1976, the first big case she had in front of the Supreme Court was when she argued that men had less rights than women. People would go like, whoa, you're full of bull. That's not, that never happened. She was always for women. She was. But she turned it around. And won. See what you learn on this show. <laughs> we, we are a knowledge-based. Okay, but... Every day... That we're on the air, I walk away with a golden nugget. But see, what's interesting for me is, is, is it's a negotiating tactic. It's a negotiating tactic. And you can, you can look at that so many times. I've said this all along. And you've been in situations where I've said things to people and people go, what? You know, sometimes if, because it's sort of like, you know, you and I play a little game. You know, and I've done this with people before. Hey, Shelly, what does T.O.P. spell? Top. And what, but you already know the deal. I, I go, what does MOP spell? And then I say, okay, quick, quick, quick. What do you, what do, you do when you come to green light? And most people go, stop, because I've conditioned you into that response. So in other words. I got to use that the other day. Well, but the point being uh-huh. is that if you throw somebody a curve, then they stop and they think. And they go. And they collaborate and they listen. No, 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 no. You, but you know what I'm saying? In other words, the idea <laughs> being is, is that if you throw them a curve, all of a sudden they realize that, oh, my God, I, I, I didn't realize that. I, I sort of got, you know, into the, the mindset. And nowadays with, you know, you know, social media and everything, you know, pounding the same drum, you know, whites or white cops, they kill black people, you know, like, you know, blacks have no rights, you know, uh, uh, you know, women have no rights. You know, I mean, it's to the point where it's like the same stuff. And I'm telling you, people just get burnt out. They just to the point where like, oh, my God, here we go again. I'm so tired of hearing this. You know what I mean? 
Kind of like the coronavirus. I'm tired of listening well, to the, about the once coronavirus. You, but see, the thing on that is, is the thing on that, like, let's say, instead of like every other day when Fauci comes out and says, well, you know, uh, you know, masks used to work and now they don't work. You know, it's to the point where, you know, if, if Fauci came out today and goes, you know what? I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I think that this virus is, you know, might be with us for another month, maybe 10 more years. I don't really know. People would then go like, yes, finally, we get the truth. You know what I mean? And then everybody go like, okay, let's just move on down the road. You know what I mean? It's 725. Westplex 107.1. <laughs> Once again, I listened to American <laughs> Top 40 with Ryan Seacrest yesterday. And there's a bunch of different versions of that song, depending upon how they throttle it back from the stuff she says. Um, there's obviously some things she says in there. Um, and that's the version where instead of using the B word, she uses the C word. The original version, she drops the F-bomb a bunch of times and she drops the B word as in itch with a B, if you know what I'm saying. And yeah. then there's a different version where she actually, instead of saying B with a, itch with a B, she says chick. And But the version on American Town 40 where she says, I've been thinking and I've been out drinking, they cut out drinking. I'm going like, okay, I don't quite understand that. Did they really? Yeah, it's drinking. I'm going like, Well, that's okay. kind of interesting. Okay, like, I mean, if they did that in country music, there wouldn't be any songs left, right? I mean, <laughs> there, would be, there would be no songs left on country radio because everybody's, everybody's songs about drinking. Okay. I don't know if you know this or not. I have inside people. I'm inside people in a lot of different things. And yes, you do. I do. And I have sources. Uh, last night, Indeed. the big debate is tomorrow night. And I don't know if you know this or not, but they let the vice president candidate for the Democrats, Joe Biden, come in and sort of feel the room. You know what I mean? Sort of walk up to the lectern and sort of, you know, get the, the feeling for what the room's all about and stuff like that. And, you know, stand out of the microphone. They want to make sure the microphone's the right height, all that kind of stuff. And then they let uh, Trump in later. And he goes in, does the same thing, you know, sort of walks around the room the whole bit. This is sort of standard procedure, and a lot of times you see this kind of stuff. And a friend of mine was recording, and there was a woman from Fox News who was essentially showing Joe Biden where he stood in the whole bit. And he walked up to her and sort of snuck up behind her and said, Bend down and whisper in my ear. And she went, how dare you? And then he went, they'd actually breathe in my nostrils to make me move, to get, get me moving. And then she went, how dare you? <laughs> I had, you had me. I'm not going to lie. Complete transparency. You have me. Thank you, Brad. 737. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have to lick my wounds. <laughs> Come on, you fell for that one. You thought I was, it was going to be really something to that story? <laughs> yes. Okay. Normally, I would say something, but I'm not going to because I'm the good doobie. See? Okay. So on the doink scale of five doinks. That's a two, two doinker right That's a there. two doinker. Okay, so we get... Okay, it gets two doinks. Okay, 7.38. Westplex 107.1, BS in the morning. I'm Shelly. She is Brad. And don't forget, we have some great sponsors that sponsor this show. Uh, we, we have do. Salt River Automotive, a new place, but uh, the owners have been around for a while, been in business. Uh, they're there on Salt River Road, just off of 79. As Shelly would say, well, 
They're on 70 and 79, uh, just on the other side I, of Tom Geneva, down the street from Highway C and across from Elmer's in that's Old Town St. Peter's. Say. That's what Shelly gives directions to. <laughs> they're on Salt River Road, just <laughs> off of 70 and 79. Well, but once again, they're not just off of 70 and 79. Well, they they're kind off, of are. They're off of as 79. The crow flies, they are. Well, the crow has to fly two miles between 70 and 79. <laughs> well, We're that's talking just about. Off. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, no. If you're on 79, you're heading north. First exit there. Well, actually, the second exit, but the you know where the one you get off. If you make a left, you go down Tom Geneva to the high school and to the ballpark down there. If you make a right, you go down the hill, and they're right on the right. Anyway, they'll take care of your car. And also, Angie Harness, you know, it's crazy. Had this discussion uh, with someone over the weekend about how there are some businesses that are just killing it. They're just doing great business. We talked about this. You know, Dan Kreider, DNR Pest Control, talks about how his business, he's had the best year ever he's had. Most of the guys who are in home improvement, you know, who are doing, like, you know, carpentry, electrical, you know, stuff like that, crazy busy. People like us, we're getting our butts kicked. You know, that's all there is to it. Uh, anyway. That is a true statement. The real estate business is hot. Angie Harness can help you on either side. You want to buy a house, she'll help you find one. Uh, she'll act as your buyer's agent. You got one to sell. She's expert at selling houses. Uh, call her, and she's a sponsor. We do appreciate her. Okay, can I tell Thank my you. can I tell my little weird story here? Of and once again, I've been waiting and waiting <laughs> and waiting to hear your weird story. Okay, um, this is not me coming out making it look like i'm a trump fan saying well look at the problem with these mail-in ballots look at the problem with the postal service okay i've gone on record many 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 times before saying i love the post office i go there almost every day i go to several different post offices one lady who i go to all the time who is always or actually a couple of women i know that some of the post office who are always very nice to me and i always greet them i you know thank them for helping me out in the whole bit okay but I have my problems with postal service. And one of them happened to me Friday. And here's a perfect example. We are in the broadcasting business, and we have this, this uh, organization that, that governs us, a governmental agency called the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission. And we have things that we have to file with them, and we have fees that we have to pay. Now, what's frustrating to me is, and I know everybody's talking about it, it's all e-commerce. Maybe I'm old school. If something's really important, and this is like a lot of times, you know the story, I'll jump in my car and I'll drive, to, drive down to Jefferson City and I will walk into someone's office and hand file things because I yes, want to know it got to the person, you know, important stuff. And to the point where there's a crazy story about how I've been to the Supreme Court building on four separate occasions, which shall remain. I won't tell you the reason. It has to do with one of my family members, but that's a whole long story. But I have personally walked into the Supreme Court building on four separate occasions. And of three of those, I was sort of like, why did you have drive here? Why couldn't you just call us on the phone? No, I need to make sure this is taken care of. I need to walk out of here with a receipt that I was here. I took care of business. And if anybody says, nobody can say, well, we didn't find it. Was it lost in the mail? Okay, so I have regulatory things that I have to get to the FCC. And they had to be there by Saturday. Okay. So okay. I put my little, you know, my next day air envelope together. I put all the documents in and the payments and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I haven't had good luck with some of the things I've done recently when I've sent it priority mail. I told you the story. I sent something, uh, you know, certified to somebody and I mailed it on a Monday and the following Monday it got there and it was St. Louis. Now, keep in mind the clearing house for 
the Treasury Department, which takes the payments for the FCC, their post office box is a post office box at the main post office in downtown St. Louis. Okay? And okay. It's, and it's a lockbox service. I don't know if you know what a, you know what a lockbox is? I do. Okay. But for those of you who don't, essentially a lockbox is a, it's typically a post office box, and it's usually maintained by a bank. And my one year, one time years ago, my banker explained to me how their lockbox service worked. And they literally have a courier who shows up at this post office box every hour, like 20 hours a day. And they process payments, you know, day, night, weekends, holidays, whole bit, because there's mail coming into the post office. And this comes in the mail post, main post office. So this is going to a lockbox in the downtown post office. So I say to myself, you know what? I'm going to drive downtown and take this to the main post office and i know next day air it'll get there the next day saturday okay so i drive downtown and by the way highway 40 in that area around the post office what a mess it's all ripped up for the stupid soccer stadium you can't get off at 18th or 20th street like you used to be able to you got to get back off at at, at jefferson and you got to make a you know left on market and you got to dodge all the construction stuff and then there's no place to park just a pain in the butt and people wonder why people don't like going downtown okay i love going downtown but still it's sort of a pain in the butt so i walk in and go to the little, you know, little postal, they don't even call it, they, they call it their mail center. You know, any place else would be the post office. But this is where the people are behind the counter. So I walk in, nice guy, you know, greets me. I said, look, I need this next day air. And what's sort of crazy about it is it's coming right here. And he looks at me and he goes, what are you talking about? I go, it's going to a lockbox. Now, keep in mind, this is what's funny about this whole story. When you come out of the little mail center at the main post office where you mail stuff and you look across the hall, there's a sign. And guess what the sign says? Department of Treasury? Lockboxes. So oh, literally, okay. literally, this, this next day air envelope is going across the hall. Okay. I'm I'm putting it in, you know, I'm dropping it off at at the mail center in the main post office and I'm telling you and I actually found the box you know, where it's going to end up. I walked across the hall and no more than 100 feet away 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 from where I'm, you know, mailing this, it's going to end up in that box and somebody's going to come and open it up and, and or take it and take it to a bank and deposit it. Now once again, I asked the people at the Treasury Department, is there any way since, and they said, well, and it's funny because I called the one lady, she says, well, she says, you just can't show up because that's in St. Louis. I go, I'm in St. Louis. Oh, you're in St. Louis. I said, yeah, where can I go? And said, oh, there's no place. There's no place. She says, no. I go, well, there's got to be somebody here somewhere that's taking these payments and putting them in the bank. Well, I don't even know where that is, and I couldn't tell you where that is, and I won't tell you where that is. Okay, fine. So I'm at the post office, and the guy sort of looks at me and he goes, so you're sending this next day air to come here? And I go, yeah. And he goes, why would you do that? And I said, because I sent something certified and it took a week to get there and it bounced around St. Louis. So he said to me, oh man, this'll be there by tonight. It'll be in that box tonight. They probably won't even, probably won't even leave the building and it'll be right across the hall. I go, okay, fine. And I said to him, so, do you still have, because they waived the guarantee for a while. I said, do you still have the guarantee? 
And he says, oh, yeah, if it's not here tomorrow, it's free. He says, just bring your receipt back and show them that it didn't show up. Okay? So I'm going like, eh, slam dunk, man. I got this one. I drop it off at the post office downtown. It's going across the hall into a post office box across the hall. Okay? Got it? Yeah, I got it. I'm I'm no. along with you. Do you do you want to think you're telling the truth this time? <laughs> well, I am telling the truth. You don't uh-huh. think I tell the truth. Okay, so you want to know the tracking for this? Okay. September twenty fifth, Friday, three fifty four PM, USPS in possession of item. St. Louis, Missouri, six three one five five. And what's weird is the main post office has several zip codes. It's six three one five five. It's six three one six six. It's six three one nine seven. There's all sorts of because and I, and if you don't believe me, just go into Google and Google those post office uh, the zip codes, and they'll all show the same address on market. Okay, September twenty fifth, three fifty six. Two minutes later, arrived at USPS regional facility. Okay, then September twenty sixth, and keep in mind. On my little tracking thing, it says, to be, will be delivered by September 26th at 12 noon. So I, you know, I check it in at 354. At 356, it says it's arrived at the U.S. regional facility. At September 26th at 251, almost three hours after it's supposed to be delivered, departs USPS regional facility. Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> Then September 27th, yesterday at 7.57 a.m., arrived at USPS Regional Facility. So it goes, okay. it goes in, I walk it in the front door, it goes somewhere, who knows where, it left the building, came back to the building almost a day later, then comes back in the building, and then at 8 o'clock yesterday morning, it arrives at the post office box, September 27th at 8 a.m., available for pickup. So I'm going like, how in the world is this possible? You know, I mean, this like, is only happens to you, Brad. No, but but once again, no, I'm serious. I mean, how is it that something that's going across the hall, literally a hundred feet? And if you don't believe me, go downtown, and you don't you think I'm kidding about this? And you know, the other sad thing about this is, God, how the po- how how sad it is. If you're, you've been in that main post office before, haven't you? Or never been in there? I've never been in there, and my uncle actually was a supervisor there. What a beautiful building. And to give you an idea of how things have changed, if you walk in the main entrance, which is on the, the west side, the side closest to Union Station, you walk up the steps, beautiful steps, you walk in the building, and, and you walk in, and it's this great big, long, big hall, you know, with like, you know, like 30-foot-high ceilings or something like that. And on each side of that hall... There's window after window after window with bars on the window. It looks like an old kind of bank kind of building, you know, but it's post office. And each one of those windows has a sign above it. Registered mail, certified mail, mail pickup, hand canceling. And so in other words, once upon a time, there were, I say there's maybe 40, 50 windows, maybe 20, 25 on each side of that building. And once upon a time, there was somebody standing behind each one of those windows. So if you had something that was going, went certified, you went to the certified mail window. You had something that was going registered mail, registered mail window. You need something hand canceled so you could prove that you, know, you actually you know, mailed it on such and such a date. There was the hand cancel window. They're all blocked off. There's not, not one of them open. I mean, and, and, and the, the little mail facility you go into is like where they knocked out a couple of these windows, and that's where it is. So the entire building in the front, which used to have like maybe... 50, 60 people working there. You go inside the little facility, there's two people behind the counter. And I'm going like, okay, 
this is sort of sad, you know, and I get it. You know, people don't mail as much stuff anymore, but I don't know. It's just one of those things where, you know, maybe it's indication. You know what they say? There's, there's first things, you know, when you get to be real old, the first thing goes is your voice starts to go high like that, and, and then your voice goes down like that. So, and the second indication is you start saying, like, I remember when you go to the post office and there were, like, 50 people working there. I do remember that, actually. <laughs> Not this down there, but throughout the post office. Okay, so, and the funny story is, I won't even tell you about the, the, the thing that I mailed, priority mail, on Thursday, once again, which is also going downtown to the main post office, which is still bouncing around. And I'm going like, I don't get it. How in the world, you know, and, and, you know, and I don't mean to be a jerk because, like I said, I love the post office. I, I've always liked going to the post office. To me, it's like, oh, post office. You know, and it's funny. I heard some the other day say, some guy say, you know, the only people to go to post office are like your grandma and grandpa. I guess I'm guilty, huh? <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> you know, and, and, and what's interesting to me is there's all sorts of crazy services the post office offers now that people don't even know about. Like, for example, you've got informed delivery, don't you? Yes, I do. Is that cool or what? I'm the one that told you about no, it. No, but is that service cool or what? I mean, it is. And, and people, you it know. It really you, is, so you know exactly what's coming to your mailbox. Right, right. And there's still things. I'm sorry. There's still things that I want to touch I want to hold in my hand, you know, I just want to touch that kind of stuff. Anyway, that's my stupid story. Are we done for today? Okay, 8.02. Are we done? No. Okay, one more break. Of course. Westplex 107.1, that is Miley Cyrus. That's the post-Hannah Montana days. Do you ever watch that show? Did you ever see Hannah Montana? I didn't. Tiffany loved it. Really? Really? Well, yeah. here, here's what I'm going to do. We talked about this last week, and she had the throat surgery. Uh, and she talked about, uh, where did I hear this? She was on Joe Rogan, and she talked about how she now looks back and she's m- mistreated her body, especially her voice, um, you know, lived the wildlife, uh, lots of smoking, lots of drinking, and really, 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 really pushing her voice. And it changed her voice. So that's the old voice, and this is, if I can get this to work right, okay, let's, let's play it here. This is her new song. Let's see if we hear much difference in the voice. Got to get past the intro. Hey, I'm a DJ. I'm talking up the song. Here's Miley Cyrus. I like her new voice. Do you really? I do. She sounds, doesn't she sound like she's got a little bit of twang to her? You know, that, that right there, that part right there. Well, that's a special thing that they do when they fix your vocal cords. They, they put, put the, in the twang filter. <laughs> no, she's got the twang back. Now, keep in mind, her dad's Billy Ray Cyrus, and she grew up in country music and the whole bit. But but here, here's... got more edge to her voice wouldn't you say that i mean it's it's i do it's it's got this yes it's got this sounds it sounds like her voice is kind of filled out and she's well you you know singing like a woman singing like a woman yes okay let me think about that for a minute you know as opposed to singing like a man you know how how men's voices they change yeah mine did that with surgery i know so did hers yeah i never i never heard your your 
voice before. Yeah, my voice, you know, care of the Mayo Clinic. <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting experience. Yeah. Well, your voice is beautiful. Actually, I'll listen to you. Yeah, my Mayo. You're like you're like the Bob <laughs> Ross of radio. Oh brand. God, get out of here! Yeah, my you are <laughs> no the, happy little tree. <laughs> yeah, happy right. Little song notes. Um, hold on. Let me, <laughs> speaking of my voice, I can't clear it right now. Hold on a minute. He has a hairball. Okay. Um, I tell that the story sometimes that people will go, yeah, right. You went to the Mayo Clinic to have a, your voice operator. I did. I went to the Mayo Clinic because... What was the purpose of that? Well, it was an interesting story in that my, my, tw- my early 20s, my late teens and early 20s when I was going to school, I had lots of problems. Um, and I used to get sick quite a bit. And when I mean sick, I mean to the point where I got hospitalized a couple times. And it was always this crazy, weird stuff in my throat. I'd get infections. And and the last time, um, I had one doctor, and I can't remember his name, and I was in um, the Palace on Ballast. I was in the old St. John's, now Mercy, and there in Creve Court. And I was in for two or three days, and they finally let me out. Oh, there was a bizarre story about that, too. I had a stalker show up in my ho- in my hospital room. Did I ever tell you that part of the story? No, you didn't. Honest to God. I had a, I had no. a, I almost, no kidding. I was just getting in the, just on the air, and, you know, I was like 21, 22 years old. I think I was 21. And a woman who <laughs> called me all the time on the request lines showed up at the hospital. It was really weird. Man, she probably didn't think she was stalking you because oh, no, 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 stalking no, no, no. wasn't no, a thing back no, then, no, even no, though it no, was. No, time out. She probably thought that no. you had this, well, this, that you had this bond because no. a lot of people no. that listen to the no. radio no. have a bond with their DJ. No, well, she was just a plain out stalker, and I'll tell you the reason why. She worked for the phone company at the time. She worked for Southwestern Bell, and she uh-huh. would call me at home. This is like pre cell phone. Okay, I never gave her my phone number, and. I said to her after like the second call, hi, this is, I can't remember her name anymore. She lived in Arnold. I still remember that. And she called me and she told me who she was. And I go, oh yeah, I talked to you on the air. And then like the second time, it didn't really hit me. And the second time she called me like a couple nights later. And I go, how'd you get my phone number? And she goes, I work for the phone company. I go, I got a list of numbers. She says, I know, I can get anybody's phone number. <laughs> I'm going like, oh. And, she, and then she says, I swear to God, she says, and if you change it, it won't help. It won't help you any because I'll just get your new number. That's what she said. So anyway, ended up in the hospital at, at the Palace and Ballas in St. John's. She shows up, and I get out, and then the, I have a meeting with my doctor. And so, my, what did you say to her when she showed up? She brought a cake, which was really weird. You know, first first rule of the radio business: never eat listener food. Okay, that's first rule of the radio business. <laughs> <laughs> never, never, never. Anybody shows up with something they made at home, a listener don't touch it. And 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 I can tell you a story of one of the guys I worked with who a listener showed up at the radio station with some chocolate chip cookies and there was more than chocolate chips in the cookies. They were magic chocolate chip cookies, if you know what I'm saying. I do. And he chowed down about six of them and, you know, the air traffic controllers had to had to vector him in to Lambert. He was flying so high. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. Yeah. So, so I, have, I get out of the hospital and my doctor sets up an appointment with me and I go meet my doctor and he looks at me and he says... I can't see you anymore. I went, what do you mean you can't see me anymore? He says, I don't know what to do with you. And my, my malpractice insurance is already too high. I swear this is what he said. I'm not making this up. And he said, 
I'm letting you go as a patient. I go, what do I do? He goes, I don't know. I really don't know what I can do for you. And quite honestly, I don't want to go any further than this. I said, okay, fine. So I called my mom up, you know, and my mom says to me, you need to go to the Mayo Clinic. I go, what? She says, yeah, you need to go to the Mayo Clinic. I go, I need to go to the Mayo Clinic? Well, I didn't even remember this. When my sister, who was older than me, had some issues when she was young, same kind of thing. She had some issues with her eyes, and she got bounced around from doctor to doctor, and my mom took her to the Mayo Clinic. And I do, I do you know, remember that. Like, I maybe was like two or three, and my sister would have been like five or something like that, five or six. And I do sort of remember that. You know, so my mom says, she says, do you need me to get the number for you? And I go, I'm going like, yeah, like she's going to give me the number. So I go, yeah, she's got the number already. Here's the number. And she gives me the number. And I'm going like, so I'm going to call the Mayo Clinic and I'm going to make an appointment? And she goes, yeah, go ahead and do it. So I get off the phone with her and I call the number. And I call, you know, get, you know Mayo Clinic. I go, yeah, it's sort of weird. Um, you know, I've been bounced around here in St. Louis. I've been bounced around by doctors and my doctor just sort of fired me. Um, you know, is there any way? Oh, yeah. Well, let me put you into admissions. So some lady comes on the phone and she says, she says, okay, takes all my information. And she says, okay, let me look at the calendar. Uh, can you be here on February 18th? Whatever it was. This is like in January. I go, yeah. And she says, now here's what you have to do. You're going to, you know, you'll, you'll fly in. And she says, do you know what hotel you're staying at? I go, no. And she says, well, no matter what hotel you stay at, Tell them that you're getting admitted to the Mayo Clinic, and they'll have the Mayo Clinic dinner for you. And I go, what? And she says, it's certain things that you, that we, that when we're, because I didn't realize at this time, when you go to the Mayo Clinic, you just don't walk in and see a specialist. You're there for like three days. They go through this whole thing. They give you, they do this test on you. They do a whole thing. And then the very last person you see, at least this is the way it was when I went there, was the specialist. So the first thing, you know, she says, now here's what you do. And I told her, I find, okay, I'm going to, you know, and I, she says, she says, why don't you go ahead and make your hotel reservation and call me back and tell me which hotel you're at. Okay, fine. So I, I call, call, you know, call it a, you know, reserve a room at the Holiday Inn downtown because Mayo Clinic's not too far from there. Call her back. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll go to dinner at their dining room. She knew the name of the dining room and just tell them you need the Mayo Clinic dinner. I go, okay, fine. So I go up there, you know. What was it? Go lightly? No, I can't remember what it was. But, but you know, they're, they're the first thing, the first day you go in, they do all sorts of blood and urine and, and even number two samples. You know what I mean? Which, like, talking about leaving no stone unturned. You know what I mean? If you know, if you catch my drift. You know, I mean, and I'm going like, this is weird. You know, and then I had, like, a day of x-rays. And then the next day I had, like, you know, like I had a doctor that looked in my ears and, you know, and poked me and prodded me and bent me over, if you know what I'm saying, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And then on day number three, I meet my doctor, you know, and his guy, and it was interesting because this guy was from Canada. And, you know, keep in mind, Rochester, Minnesota, where the Mayo Clinic is, you know, it's not too far from Canada. And he was originally from Quebec or something like that. And actually, I think he's, I think he was like French because he had like an accent, you know, and I said, where are you from? Well, I'm from Quebec. So, you know, because a lot of people up there speak French. So, you know, he looks in my mouth and looks at my results. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what's wrong with you. And he says, um, you want to go ahead and, and schedule surgery now? Probably be at about a month or so. I said, you really know what's wrong? Oh, yeah, yeah, need to have surgery. We can fix you up. And he's like, matter of fact, like, you know, after me going, like, doctors throwing me out. So I scheduled the surgery, had it, and that was a whole other story that my mom went up there with me. 
We drove up, and then that night, hotel fire. <laughs> I mean, high... you saved your mother's life. I did. Well, I don't know if I saved your life, but it was so bizarre. You totally because... saved your life, well, Brad. It was this high-rise hotel we were in in downtown Rochester that, well, actually it didn't catch fire. It was arson. Some guy they fired at the banquet center showed up in the middle of the night and torched the place. And we're on like the sixth floor. You know it's not a good situation when, you know, the hotel tower sat back from the street. And when we looked out our window, we're like in the sixth or seventh floor. And you look down on the roof, which was the, the, you know, the convention center part of it and the banquet center and the whole bit. And it's like about 5 o'clock in the morning, and I'm hearing, like, some, sounds like construction work. You know, I'm going, what the heck is that? And then I'm going, like, that sounds like a chainsaw. I'm going, like, why is there a chainsaw going on 5 o'clock in the morning in downtown Rochester? So I go over to the window and looked at, out the window. The firefighters were on the roof of the, the, the uh, banquet center you know, three four floors below us, cutting holes in the roof, pouring water onto this fire, and the flames are shooting up like, you know, 50 feet in the air. And I'm going like, this is not happening. This is a bad dream I'm having. And my mom's asleep, and I can't get her to wake up. <laughs> so like, what would you do to wake her up? I, I shook her. I go, Mom, we need to get the heck out of here. Well, what time is I go, it's 5 o'clock. No, no, I'm still, we don't have to be at the hospital till, because I was supposed to have surgery that morning. And, you know, and she says, we don't have to be at the hospital till nine. Mom, mom, we need to get out of here now. The building's on fire. And she's going like, stop it. Stop kidding me. Let me go back to sleep. I go, mom, the building's on fire. And finally, she like opens her eyes and gives me that, you know, how sometimes when you wake somebody up and you get that, like that blink eye open, like, you know, like to the point where their eyes have never been open wider. You know what I'm saying? And and she looks at me and she says, the building's on fire? I go, yeah, we need to get out of here. So anyway, that's my weird story of how I had surgery. Of how you saved your mother and how (laughs) your voice changed. Well, well, then I had surgery and I was in the hospital for like three days. So what did they do? What did they do? Uh They put in a new framister. I thought the Framisters were only on my car. <laughs> no, I had this. And, and so I go to this automotive place. Yeah. It wasn't Salt River. It was before I knew, before yeah. they opened their doors, Salt River. Right. But I went to this auto place, and Brad says, tell them it's the Framister. You know what it is, that it's the Framister. So here I am. I think it's the Framister. Uh huh. Thank you, Brad. <laughs> what did I they, forgot to tell you that. And what did they say? <laughs> they were being very nice to me, put it that way. Because <laughs> Caleb's my friend. Oh, no, 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 no. But no. you know no, when, that they're back there going. When, no, when you went to the. <laughs> when you went to the other. There is no such thing as a Framister. No, when you went to the other place and you said, <laughs> when I told you to tell them it was the Framister, and you said uh-huh. it was the Framister, what did they say to you? They, they didn't say anything. They just, kind of, their look, pretty much said everything you could say. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, They're like, oh, and you work for the radio station? Uh, yes, I do. There's nothing worse than a bad framister. I'm telling you, you know. Uh-huh, I got your framister right here. I mean, like, it, it's eight twenty-one. One, one of my employees once upon a time. Um, complained that this is when the when the 
the the tire sensors first got it on the cars you know what i'm talking about you know you know you get the little yes, light in your dashboard yes, yes. And, and 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 what happened was this typically happens to a lot of people and it'll happen again this year if your tires like if you're on right on the edge like let's say the tire pressure is supposed to be 32 pounds per square inch and and the the sensor set to you know go into alarm mode at like 26 Okay, like you'll be driving around and no problems. And all of a sudden, one morning you'll come out and all of a sudden the temperature like drops into the 30s or the 20s. And you turn your car on, you get the little warning light that says your 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 uh, tire pressure is low. One lady worked for me, came into work one day and said, it had the same thing, it was like cold. And, and she says, it's just my, my light came on. I don't, she says, I've never had a car with that. It's new. And I go, yeah, it's new. And she comes in and, and, and I said to her, I said, well, you know what that is, don't you? And she goes, no. She goes, I go, you need to have your air and your tires changed because you've got summer air in your tires. And now it's fall and pretty soon it'll be winter. So you need to go to the place and have the winter air put in. And she says, okay. Like she thought she knew I was kidding. So the next day she comes into work and tells me she goes to the tire store and tells them she needs her air changed. She needs the summer air taken out and the winter air put in. (laughs) See? That's what you do. You are so full of bulls. And, and she was not happy with me because the guys in the shop started breaking up. You know, they're going like, exactly. Like, who told you that? No, There's no such thing as. My guys didn't um, laugh at me, but they were trying really hard not to. And they didn't say, well, we don't really think it's that. But we'll take it a look. Let's just give it a little look. Well, I got one better than that. And this wasn't one that I originally came up with. But a friend of mine told me this story. And I did it on something. It worked. They bought a new car. And I knew the car was made in Canada. And how you can tell is that if it's made in Canada, if you look at the VIN number on the dashboard, you know, in front of the driver's side, if it starts with a 2, it means it was made in Canada. Because that's the VIN number they assign to all vehicles that are made in Canada. And this was a Ford something or other. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> he told me this story about how he told his his girlfriend that that she bought a new car and and that and and he looked at it and he says, oh, this you know looked the same thing. And she she, she brought it over and he, oh wow cool. And he looks at the VIN on purpose and he goes, oh look two it means this car was made in Canada. And he says to her, you need to take this back to the dealership and have them put American air in. It's got Canadian air in it, and it's different. And they have to change out the air because you can't drive a, a, a car with Canadian air in America. And she did. She went to the dealership. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Not. You've never been on the, the, the backside of one of your little kerfuffles have you why you 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 think you think i you you don't think i can take it oh i have trust me oh no i think you can take it i just remember my my old friend i miss him randy bluestone owner of the country club car washes he used to always say the more s you give someone the closer you are to them as a friend we must be really 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 (laughs) close friends. when you get to that when you get to that level <laughs> because it you know, comes like perpetually okay we you know and and one little quick example of that okay, okay. 
I'm not saying that like I rub elbows with the blues players, but once upon a time, you know, we ran the blues on this radio station we're on right now, and we had events some from time to time where we went, you know, we had a deal once a year. They called it affiliate appreciation night where we went to a blues game and and that we would meet, you know, the the manager and you know Doug Armstrong and people like that. He and did Bruce, not do that. Bruce Affleck, you did that. yeah. Well, Bruce Affleck would come in and, and anyway, so we'd meet some of the players and these guys they unmercifully kid each other all the time and i mean I, I guess it goes on in other sports as well too but talking smack back and forth at each other and kidding around and you know and i'm going like okay i get it i get it it's like randy bluestone these guys are really close and they just do nothing but trash talk each other and that's how they'd sort of like have fun you know they say you know things like you're so you know well you know if you were a real hockey player <laughs> you, you know and they say it's like okay these guys are all pros you know it's pretty funny anyway um do you think it's true that they have um like lucky jack straps and lucky socks and stuff like that <laughs> what i'm asking like they don't wash them, they use them all the time for good luck. But there are people that say that, you know. I, you know, I mean, they're baseball players. You look at their hats. You know, their hats are like torn and tattered. You know what I mean? And like yeah, stuff like yeah. that. You I know. thought that was just a trend. Yeah, well, I've got on my lucky underwear this morning. <laughs> Ew! <laughs> Getting two uses out of it, are you? Ew! Oh look, it's eight twenty-six. Two. And it's been a wonderful day. Put another two in front of that twenty-two, and you got it. Eight twenty-seven. Ha, ha, ha.